Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Can you all hear me? I was fiddling with my own little box here, and I shouldn't do that. (laughs) Dan tells me that, and yet I still fiddle with it. Anyway, hey, glad you're here. Good to see all of you. Uh, Good to see all of you online. If this is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. Uh, My name is David, and my prayer for you, as it is every week, is that you find something meaningful today, and that you have a meaningful encounter with a God who loves you. And um, I was thinking about the song that we just sang, which is just awesome, that blessing, isn't it? Oh, God, I just, I love it, and I don't like it, because I get that lump right here in my throat, and I can't sing. I just, ah, not my favorite, but... Um, it's usually a good sign. But I was thinking about that, you know, for a thousand generations, and I just found out this morning that our own Charles Duncan has a 90th birthday. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. So glad he's here. Man. Yeah. Um, I got so many things I want to talk to you guys about today. Okay, let me, let me just start, let me do a little business first, and then, then we're going to talk about Jesus, because that's the important thing, right? But let me, let me talk a, a little bit about something. Um, we're trying to figure out uh, if we can do a baptism service um, before it gets too cold, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is really hard to imagine, you know, because it's like 90 degrees still, but by the time we can do this, and let's just face it that sometimes Mother Nature in Oklahoma goes off her meds, right? I mean, it happens, and so we have to be real careful about that. But anyway, we're trying to get a feel for that. So uh, if you have not been baptized and want to be, um, would you come talk to me afterwards? I would love to, to have that chat with you, kind of s- see where we're at. And uh, depending on kind of what the interest level is on that, we're going we're gonna to try to get that thing scheduled and on the calendar. Um, the other um, little piece of information, and I mentioned this before, uh, we have a little bit of business to do on our, our church bylaws um, for kind of a bigger project that has to do with our, our uh, tax-exempt status and that sort of thing. So um, that is coming up uh, in the next few weeks. I'm supposed to give two weeks' notice, so I'm being preemptive and saying that it's probably going to be in like two or three weeks, but we're trying to nail down some final details on it. But you've heard it here, okay? So on today, you actually, you've actually heard this on the 12th. Uh, I think we're probably going to do that on the 26th. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. Um, and then also, um, uh, Charles is not the only one with a birthday. Thrive Church turns five years old on October the 3rd, uh, which is coming up <laughs> really quickly. I'm like, what happened to summer? So the plan here is on the the week of the 26th of September to the 3rd of October. Keep that one in mind because that's going to be our birthday week. Um, We're going to do several different things that are going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we're going to do baptism service then. Uh, We're going to deal with the bylaws. We're going to have a worship night um, sometime during that week. We've already worked it out with Tulsa Ballet. We're excited about it. There's going to be some fun things going on on, um, on the 3rd, uh, that particular Sunday. And because it's a birthday, you can rest assured there will be treats because that's just how we roll here. It's awesome. So we're really looking forward to that. And, and by the way, I would also suggest this too, that um, if, if you 
going to want to invite, you know, friends or people that you know that have been part of Thrive at one point or another and, you know, had to move away or do something else and they want to come back. Man, we'd love to see everybody. That would be really cool. So you are more than welcome to um, make a big invite uh, to anybody who wants to celebrate with us. Five years. Can you believe it? My goodness. Well, it's kind of been five years because we kind of lost last year, didn't we? I mean, just a little bit. Let's just be honest about that. But still, officially speaking, as the calendar goes, we're five years old, and we're excited about that. So keep that one in your calendar. You're going to hear more about that in the newsletter and on Sunday mornings in the coming weeks. So the 26th to to October 3rd is going to be our birthday week. Okay, so there it is. I did the business. Now we can talk about Jesus, which is the most most important part. So time for me to go to work. All right, here we go. We've been learning from the life of David over the last, well, I think this is what, week 12, 13, 11? I don't know, something like that. We've been doing this for a while. And um, in the story, David is still on the run. That's where we are in this narrative. He's had a couple of harrowing escapes. He's had a little bit of help from his friends. He and some of the other people around him have had major encounters with God, and yet Saul, the current king of of Israel, um, still believes that David is a threat, and frankly, he is. Because the Spirit of God left Saul, and the Spirit of God came upon David, and so there is a transition that is imminent. It is going to occur. And Saul knows this, and yet he's still trying to hang on to something that really isn't his anymore. And over the course of the story, we find out that that David uh, is looking for a place to go. He's trying to figure out kind of what life is. He's a young man. He's been anointed king over Israel, but he's loyal to God. And so if God anointed him, then God will eventually put him on the throne. It is not something for him to take. It is something for him to receive. It's a big deal. And so he actually considers going over to the Philistines. Remember Goliath, the one that he killed just a few chapters ago? Yeah, he was a Philistine. So he shows up looking for a place to land, and let's just say that didn't go so well for him. And so consequently, um, he leaves, and we're going to pick up that story today. But here's the thing. Can you imagine what that was like? Because I think what happens is sometimes when we read the text, especially within the Old Testament, because the language is, is a, you know, it's, it's very different. In the translation, things get lost in the translation. You know that because we talk about this a lot. But can you imagine how he felt? Because this is a real person who's living a real life, who didn't have the benefit of reading the ending, kind of like your life right? Has your life worked out exactly the way that you had hoped? No. And if you're young enough where you can say, well, yeah, so far, don't worry, it's coming. (laughs) So I'm just saying here, imagine for a moment that this, this character that we're reading about was an actual living, breathing person who felt things, who experienced things, some of which was not so great. How would you feel? Nowhere to turn. Even the competition didn't want him. And by the way, when we're talking about that, that idea of going over to the, the Philistines, in the, ancient Near East, in the ancient Near East, it was not uncommon for um, allegiances to change back and forth many times. 
And you still see that in the Near East today, don't you, if you watch the news. Um, there are things that are going on right now overseas, and uh, we're seeing these allegiances switch back and forth. Very common in that particular culture, okay? But even the competition doesn't want him. How would you feel? So let's pick up the story. Um, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Got a Bible or Bible app? You might want to turn there. Uh, otherwise, I'll have it on the screen for you. And for those of you who are online, uh, you can see this. Uh, so let's pick this up. Here's 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. David left Gath, that's in, in uh, Philistia, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Now let's just hit the pause button for, for a moment right there. You have Gath, the city in Philistia. This is where they didn't want him. And so he went to another place. He went to Adullam. So if you uh, can kind of picture the map of Israel, it's more in the southern section of Israel, kind of up in the foothills. There are a lot of hills, a lot of caves, and it's right on the edge of the wilderness. If that helps you orient a little bit. And it the thought occurs to me, again, because as, as we look at the text, as we see it, you know, on the screen, and it's just this single sentence. He went from one place to another, but it says the cave of Adullam. How would you have to feel in order to take shelter in a cave? I mean, think about that. It's easy to gloss over, but here's a person who cannot find a place to be where he's not hunted by his own people and by the enemy, by the competition. And he has to go to a cave. Oh yes, he was a shepherd. He knows how to spend time out in the field. And he's been with sheep and he's been in the wilderness and he's dealt with all those things. But that doesn't mean that he wanted to. And so here we are with this simple statement and I have to wonder What did he feel like? What were the emotions going on where he knew that the only place he could find any amount of refuge was a cave in the wilderness? Well, fortunately, we we can know a little bit, believe it or not. If we turn to Psalms, the poetry, some of which was written by David, and I want you to see this. This is Psalm 57, right at the beginning at the prelude. For the director of music to the tune of Do Not Destroy. I wonder what that song was really like. Really? Of David, a miktam, when he had fled from Saul into the what? Cave. So apparently he was overcome with emotion and, and his life was a musical. And a song broke out to the tune of Do Not Destroy. Which I, I don't know, I just think is kind of funny. And here, here's what he says. Have, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my uh, feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. I love that hot pursuit. And yes, I'm thinking about smoking the bandit. How about you? (laughs) Pop culture reference from the 70s and 80s. Only here at Thrive Church. But think about what's being said here. I mean, there's, there's raw emotions in this reality. Would you agree? I mean, he's talking about things like um, being bowed down and, and lions and, and shadow of the wings. And, and, and I, I wonder what's going through his head, but where I imagine that cave is and knowing a little bit about the geography of the area and the ravenous beasts and all of that, again, just because he's used to it doesn't necessarily mean he means he likes it right? You could hear this rawness of emotion, this fear mixed with hope at the same time. And here's the thing that if we're completely honest, when you're distressed, you do the same thing, don't you? There's a fear, there's an anger, there's a frustration, and yet because you're a follower of Jesus, you hope that God might intervene on your behalf, right? We all experience that. That's the reality of of this. We We wish for immediate relief. We all do. You know, it really strikes me here that the stoic kind of tough guy image that Americans like, um, you know the one where we kind of swallow and stuff our emotions and we don't talk about things because we're men, does not really square with David the warrior king. Not at all. In fact, in a lot of ancient cultures, warriors were also known for art. We find this not only in the ancient Near East, but also in the Far East as well. Violence and art were a mark of nobility. You did both. So in some of the the Eastern cultures, you had great warriors who were also um, really good at things like calligraphy and poetry and um, flower arranging of all things. You know, some of those guys, you know, we, we might laugh and chuckle and go, what are you doing flower arranging? I'm not going to talk to them about that. <laughs> no, thank you. Because I know they're good with the sword, right? But the point is, is that there's this idea of balance, that if I'm going to know violence, that I also have to find something else. And actually, C.S. Lewis talked about this a little bit. Um, he <clears throat> mentioned uh, in one of the articles that he wrote is that the warrior needs to balance the violence in some way. And so what Lewis pointed to was chivalry. It was a set of rules and guidelines that warriors would put upon themselves so that they would not degenerate into complete brutishness. And so here we have David, who is not the stoic type of stuff, my emotions. David is very raw, very real, and it comes out for him in poetry. That's the way he does that. He expresses himself. And we see this all throughout the Psalms. Many of the Psalms he wrote under different circumstances. And fortunately, we get these little little notations at the beginning where we can get a sense of uh, where that song came from. Here it's in the cave. And I think it's worth repeating um, today. Uh, We've said this before. And I I don't know how to say this more plainly. Emotions are normal. And I think sometimes when we're feeling um, specifically uncomfortable or negative emotions, we try to 
uh, either shut them down as much as we possibly can or avoid them or stuff them because we don't really want to talk about it. But they're normal. And you have to understand this, that God gave you those emotions. And they're supposed to help us understand and interpret the events of our lives, the things that are going on around us. And the challenge ultimately is, what do you do with those emotions? Now, let's be honest. Right now, in the world today, emotions are running a little hot. Would you agree? And if not, go on Facebook. Because you can change everybody's mind by posting something inflammatory on Facebook. And it happens time and time again. But those emotions that we're feeling are actually God-given. And the question that we have to ask ourselves if we're trying to be good disciples of Jesus is to say, what is that emotion telling me now? What do I do with this? Does this make sense? And this week, I had two examples of emotional events that, that kind of cropped up that helped illustrate this point. And while you know, they might not be the most comfortable things to actually experience, I was grateful for them for the <laughs> illustrated purposes for today. So I became aware of a, a young lady through somebody I know who was having some difficulty in relationship with her boyfriend. So automatically, when I said young lady and I said boyfriend, you can imagine what kind of emotions might be at play here, right? Okay? Um, apparently, um, the story I heard is that she just randomly burst into tears. And when her friends asked her about it, um, in, in the same moment as she's crying, I'm fine. I should be strong. By the way, if you have words like I should, that's a clue. Don't should on yourself. Did he just say that in church? Somebody had mentioned that um, she might want to go see a counselor. Her comment was, I'm not weak. All right. It's, about, it's about, about ready to get real up in here. No, that's not true. I will tell you, asking for help takes a tremendous amount of strength. In fact, I will say this, it takes more strength than for you to foolishly try to deal with that thing on your own. Weakness is saying, I can handle it, when you clearly cannot. And your emotions, your sadness that you're feeling, that emotion, the bursting out in tears, is trying to tell you something. And I wanted to, I wanted to talk to that lady, but, that young lady, but um, circumstances prevented me doing that. And tears signal sadness, and sadness always signals some type of loss. And maybe the hard part for this person, the strength that she actually needs, is to face the reality that her relationship is not working. That she might have to deal with the fact, the reality, that the relationship is not what she hoped for despite her efforts. You see what I'm saying? There's no strength in hiding from the truth. None. It might feel like it, 
but it will always come back and bite you. Now, the other event was a little more personal. <clears throat> so, um, some of you know, I, I get, my back is about 15 years older than the rest of my body. I'm not sure why, just the way it is. Uh, and I um, see a chiropractor regularly, and uh, this, earlier this week, I had this incredible amount of tension in my shoulders and in my back. Some of you know how, how this feels. Man, it was like waking me up at night and that kind of thing. And Sometimes when that happens, I know it's going to rain, but there wasn't any rain in the forecast, so I knew that wasn't the issue. So I went to see my chiropractor, and it turns out um, that I had actually trapped some emotions in my shoulders. It's a thing, right? I mean, some of us, and we just hold the tension right there. Um, I was holding it here. I didn't know that I had some of those emotions. But when my chiropractor released those, made me aware of what was going on and released those, I got physically ill for a couple of hours. I'm driving home, I'm talking to my wife on the phone, and I'm like, man, I just, I just don't feel good. And um, Lisa, because she's Lisa, is like, well, what doesn't feel good? <laughs> she's like, she wants to know, what is it? And I said, I have a splitting headache, like, I mean, it's like worse than when I showed up, and, and my stomach is kind of upset, and I don't know what's going on, and, and I, gotta, I gotta tell you, because I don't know under current circumstances if you're allowed to get regular sick, <laughs> but I wondered if I needed to go get tested, because it was, I was just feeling like, well, I can still taste things, and of course, I had to test that out by getting a Chick-fil-A lemonade, <laughs> Right? I'm telling you, if you can't taste that, you in trouble, right? <laughs> Fortunately, I still had my taste, so I'm like, okay, I'm good. But it took probably three or four hours for that to get fully out of my system. I had emotions that I wasn't really aware of trapped. Turns out I was actually drawing it from some people around me. Didn't know that. Had no idea. I got those things uh, released, and the recovery time was, was rather interesting. It actually took two naps. Darn. <laughs> but it took two naps to actually take care of. But here's the thing that I, I, I want to point out, is that emotions leak when you have them. And you, you either deal with your emotions, or they will deal with you, and I guarantee you, when they deal with you, it will be at the most inconvenient time and in ways that will truly surprise you. Wait a second, what? That's very, very common. And so um, we don't want to ignore the rawness or reality of the things that we actually feel. They're trying to tell you something. We need to pay attention to those. And, and by the way, the other piece of that puzzle I think is real important is the fact that when you're experiencing some type of emotion, you, you, you kind of have to take a lesson from David here and go, Lord, I'm feeling this way. I'm going to trust you, but I really don't like the way this feels. See what I mean? And that's what we find in this, in this passage. So let's go back to that song um, from the cave. Let's keep, keep reading a little bit. In verse 7, he says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Like he's convincing himself, right? He repeats it, so he convinces himself. I will sing and make music 
Okay, not my first choice, but okay, it's his. That's great. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all of the earth. Now, does that sound a little different from the first half of the song? Maybe a little bit? Yeah, the previous verses are a little more blue, a little more depressed. But this is decidedly different. It's all praising and exalting God. What changed? What changed, do you suppose? I'm glad you asked. Because we can go back to 1 Samuel chapter 22 and we can, we can see, I think, what makes the difference. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. That's where we left it off before. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. Boy, that was a motley group. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. That's, I think, the difference. First he was alone in the cave, and then he wasn't, and we see that happen in his song, his family, and he made some new friends, a whole lot of new friends. And I just, I, I, I have this thought in my head, you know, David, son of Jesse, party of 400, you know, kind of a thing, and you know, he's got 400 of these friends. And I remember, I, I heard a, a pastor talk about this years ago, and his phrase always stuck with me. He says, you know, you can endure a lot when you have support, when you have your friends. And I think he's, he's right. We need other people to help us process emotions. Because when you've got your head in the weeds, sometimes you need somebody to grab your hair and get you to look up and go, okay, there's more than just the weeds here. And our friends do that. And our family members uh, ought to do that. And it's not that we're trying to cover over the emotions and we're not supposed to, um, it's not like we're supposed to, uh, um, you know, help them get over those emotions. That's not it at all, but it's to help them see a larger picture, a broader perspective. And that's, um, we call it in our family, zooming out. We need to zoom out and see what's really going on here, that this event is this big in light of this kind of life. And we have to zoom out, and you need other people with different perspectives to help you do that because you can't interpret everything through your own experience. Sometimes you need the experience of other people to give you new perspective on things. And so, as I was thinking about this, this passage, and yeah, there's some emotional stuff here, and, 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 and I was thinking about kind of where we are in the world today and the emotions running hot and, you know, you, you, you kind of have to broach certain subjects a little carefully with people. Did you notice that? Yeah, you kind of have to do that. It's been a weird year. It's been a weird year and a half. And I, I think that it's high time, that it's, it's, it's that moment now where we need to restore some community. We need to be around each other again. And I just had a conversation this week with somebody that I thought was really interesting. You know, um, church is, is different because 
we used to, you know, say hi to people and hug them, and, and now we have to retrain ourselves on how to do that. It's just a little bit different. But I think it's time that we restore some community and to be around each other. And yeah, be safe about it. Don't be, you know, you know think about it a little bit and, and you know, have the, the conversation. Um, but be around each other again. Jesus often completed his healing um, by restoring community. And I, wanna, I just want to point this out. There's several different places, but there's one in particular that I really like. Um, so here it is. Uh, he heals a leper in Mark chapter 1. And he tells the leper, uh, after he does it, he says, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded uh, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So again, um, we, get, we need to play tourist and we need to understand a little historical context. So under Jewish law, the only person that could declare you clean was a priest. Even though Jesus did the healing, he wasn't a priest by family, by tradition. He, he, he couldn't do that. And the reason why the leper had to show himself to the priest and offer the sacrifice was so that the priest could declare them clean. Why? So he could go back to his family. Because up until that point, he had been cast out. He had to live outside of the city. He had to live alone or with other lepers, as the case may be. But to restore someone to community was the last step in Jesus' healing. And we see this time and time again. This just happens to be the one place where we see it very clearly. Do the next step. Why? So you can go back to your family. Does this make sense? Community is a part of the healing process, I think. And let's just be honest, we all could use a little healing right now, couldn't we? Salvation implies healing of the whole person, not just the soul. In the church, we tend to relegate everything to what happens with the soul. Oh, you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. Yeah, that's true. I believe that. But that's not the complete definition of salvation. Salvation includes the healing of the person of the psyche, of the mind, of the body. Yes, I believe all of those things. That's salvation. Relationship is part of that. Reconciling relationships with people, which is hard. But the point is, is that reestablishing community is a part of the healing process. It's been true for thousands of years, and guess what? It's still true today. And by the way, your online community is not the same thing as your real people community. So I want to encourage you to re-engage in some community in your life. I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, Around here, we've got a couple of opportunities. Uh, On Thursdays, I'm over at the Apple Barrel on, on Elm and 101st anybody's invited. I'm there from 7 until about 9. Come whenever you want. And the only reason I'm there at 7 is because that's when they open. I tried getting there earlier and I had to sit there for a half hour. Um, But from 7 until 9, about 9 o'clock, I'm there. Um, This uh, last week, it was just me and Jesus and it was cool. I I got plenty of stuff to do, but I love it when, when people come. 
and you get great breakfast, and it's just good food. So come, you can do that. That's one thing. Um, small groups. If you want to do small group, let us know. We'll hook you up. Um, we're starting to re-engage those for fall. That's great. Uh, and, but here's the thing. Please don't wait for the church to figure out how to restore community for you. You're smart people. You can do it on your own. Ask somebody to lunch. I know you're all hungry. A preacher's preaching long. And I know this because Dan's got a clock back there that's the size of my head. The point that I'm trying to make here is, look, lunchtime's coming up. Wouldn't it be great if you just looked at somebody and said, hey, we're going to go out for lunch. Why don't you come with us? Right? That's how you re-engage in community. I know you've forgotten how. It's been a year and a half. It's fine. But you can do it. And if you can find a place to go eat outside, even, even better. Except for the flies. The flies aren't great but you can still eat outside. It's a, it's a good thing to do. So ask somebody to lunch. Don't wait for the church to figure this out. You can figure it out. By the way, I'm not the church. You're the church. Go be the church, right? Go and do that with each other. I think that's good. And so I want to en- en- encourage you to re-engage in some, in some community, to be safe about it, but find others that you can hang out with. That was the difference for David, and it will make the difference for you as well. And it's what God wants. He never intended for us to be alone, not for any length of time. He wants you to engage with each other. He wants you to talk about him and the things that he's doing in your life. How cool is that? So let's re-engage in that kind of community. And, and I, don't, I don't mean to be doing this, but I'm going to do this a little bit. Because in today's environment, it's so easy to go, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should. Ah, I'm not sure. Try it. Ask God to bless it, but re-engage in some type of community so that you're not alone. I really believe that it's good for your soul. It's good for your your inner person. And I think that's what God wants for, for us, and I think that's what God wants from us. Let's pray. Jesus, you're so good. You don't want us to be alone. That's why he sent Jesus. So that we would have an idea of what it meant to follow God in a very real way. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for the Old Testament stories that point to these truths that seem to be as relevant today as they were many, many hundreds of years ago. And I would pray, God, that just all of us uh, that we're gathered here. Um, we'd be smart about it and that you would, you would guide us with your wisdom and your grace and your mercy, but as we re-engage with one another, that we would take that seriously. That we would, we would really sense um, the fact that you love when your people gather and that you like to be in the thick of those types of things. I pray that we would, we would experience that. God, I want to pray against any loneliness that people are feeling right now because it's really easy to feel that way too, that isolation and that loneliness. And, and Lord, I also pray against the fear because um, there's a lot of fear. There's fears if we do, there's fears if we don't, there's just a lot of fear. But perfect love drives out fear and we know that you love us perfectly. And so God, would you help us to be smart, but would you also help us to be courageous to take the step to re-engage in connecting with other human beings, um, people that, that we know we love, that we know that we need to be around. And, and I just ask you, God, to, to bless that. Um, as we're singing this last song, 
um, I'm going to be up here uh, over stage left, my left, your right. And uh, Gina's going to be um, stage right, your left. And, and look, I don't know how you're feeling. If you've got some emotions, don't leave here. If you need somebody to just put their hands on you and pray over you. Uh, Gene and I, we want to do that. That's something that we, we just feel so strongly that this is, this is of God and that we want to be engaged in that kind of, of ministry for you. If nothing more than just to encourage you that God is for you, that God is with you, even when you don't feel it. And so God, I just pray right now that your spirit would be active among us I know that we are gathered in your name and by your word. We know that your presence is here and I'm so grateful for that. And God, I I would just ask that um, you would move about the room um, touching hearts and minds as you see fit. Thrive Church is your church. I'm just an associate. And if anybody needs an extra touch, oh God, give them courage um, to get some prayer to do business with you at whatever level they need to. There's no pressure, of course, and you can always grab me afterwards and I'm happy to pray afterwards too. Uh, Gina, the same way. We're, We're here. We're here for you. This is a mighty God that we serve. The creator and sustainer of the universe wants to hang out with you, to be in community with you. And it's our joy and our pleasure to point that out and to walk alongside of you in whatever capacity you need. Thank you, God, for being among us today. And as we sing, enjoy what you hear from us. In Jesus' name, amen.